The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. I'm here today with Jim Keith, Executive Vice President of Recycling Today Media Group, and this is Pile of Scrap. Nice break. Looks like here your we stripes. go. Jim, welcome. Okay, we're stripes. Good to be here with you, John. Thanks. And this might be the most unique pile of scrap over a game of pool. First time for everything. Yeah, but you know, thank you for coming and thank you for participating. And by the way, you're stripes, so you get to go. So, Jim, how many years you've been doing this at Recycling Day? Because we've known each other, it seems like, forever since we both got into the industry. How many years? I mean, it's over 30 years. Uh, just about 31 years with uh, with GIE Media, the parent company, recycling today. How many years has Sierra been on the back cover of your magazine? Because I remember when it came up, we're like, oh, so we I, finally get it. I tell people this. Yeah, it happened. It it happened after I was there for a couple of years. So I'm going to say it, it's like 28 years. So it's it's unbelievable. Sierra has been on the back cover of Recycling Today, 12 issues a year, for 27 years. You realize your magazine is the only print ad we do at Sierra? I know. Well, all right, your stripes. It's because we help sell machines for you. Well, well, you help advocate for the industry. So, Jim, you know, ultimately, as a publisher of content for the recycling industry, and you're out there and you're creating, tell us the evolution from the first time the magazine really that you were involved to what you're doing today. Where's the change when we talk quote unquote recycling industry? For the recycling industry or? Recycling industry. Oh my gosh. I think the probably the biggest change is the evolution of the application of equipment and technology. When, when I first started, m- much of the equipment was modified from other industries. It came from bulk materials, coal or mining or the lumber construction construction you know, the old excavator was at, the first entry remember the cable cranes that was cable cranes were so there was a it's been a big change in the evolution of equipment and technology and the other thing that's changed is along with that is and part of what drove that is recyclers like you at sierra recycling are trying to do a deeper fuller job of recovering everything that can be recovered out of the material stream that comes comes into their plant. You know, the recycling industry, we've been doing, the industry that I'm involved with at Sierra, we do iron, we do copper, stainless, aluminum, and paper. And you know how to play. Nobody calls gold waste. Right? No, no one would. But why do people want to lump in these commodities that we're processing that is the raw materials for all these consumers, for the steel industry, the aluminum industry? You know, in this room, the, these windows, are, these are all framed aluminum. You know, all the electrical, the copper, 30% of the copper that goes into any of this is from recycled. Yep. And all the steel, our cars, and whatever. How, how did the narrative get so perverted to where it's waste. It is perverted. And I think it's so many people in the modern world are just disconnected from where things really come from. They don't understand that these window frames are aluminum and that that aluminum, if you 
produce it from raw materials requires 80 to 90 percent more energy than if you produce it from recycled content. Right. So the industry figured that out a long time ago and said we're going to recycle because there's an 80 percent plus energy savings to us if we recycle more and more yeah, aluminum. I, I, aluminum. But is, people is, don't is think about those reduces things. carbon emissions 90. 5% recycled aluminum over virgin materials is a 95% CO2 emission savings. Part of the green solution. It's amazing. But when you classify these materials. And, and that's not true of just aluminum. Oh, so just, all the it's true of cardboard. It's true of copper. It's true of steel. Okay, so as you, as you look. Your publishing group, and, and you, you have several magazines that deal with, you have Recycling Today, Construction and Demolition, and quite frankly, Waste Today, okay? Which are dramatically different. But what, why is the perception still there? What, what did our, how did our industry lose the narrative? It's, it sort of started, in, in, so in my opinion, if you go back to the early 90s, you had the situation in New York City with the garbage barge. And that Tom Jeswali. Yeah. How I remember that guy's name, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But it created the, it, it wasn't it was paper, created, but what? it started the advent of post-consumer recycling. And then you have post-consumer recycling, which is people separating stuff, aluminum cans, you know, newspapers, whatnot, from their waste. And they, they start thinking of it as the same. They see the same truck come by in their mind, the same truck pick up that material, they think it's waste. They don't think about the bigger part of the recycling what, Wasn't industry. the garbage bar truly just OCC? A big, was it not? No, it was Oh, was it a mixture? MSW. Okay, yeah. it was all MSW. Okay, it, was, I, it was garbage. All right, you're, you're up here. Not much of a shot for me, John. Well, yeah, like I, look, you're gonna kill me at Let's this. Let's break but. this up here a little bit. So because of that garbage barge, thank there you. There you go, I helped you on. Because of the garbage barge, any form of recycling that came out of waste collection, automatically those recyclables got lumped into waste. So I think a lot of consumers put the two together, waste management and recycling, it was all waste, right? Right. But again, what that's missing is the far greater part of the recycling industry, which is the industrial side of recycling. Well, industrial recycling and recycling of metals, cop all metals, iron, copper, aluminum, stainless, and paper is over 96% of the total volume of everything exactly. recycled in this country. But people think what they're putting out on the curbside is the volume, but it's not. Well, California just came down with legislation signed by the governor, and it's the EPR, the, the ex what, uh, Extended Producer responsibility. responsibility. And it started with plastic, but they said, well, if it goes into the blue bin, and it's metal or paper, it's waste. No. And well, that, that's, that's dramatic for our industry because it makes everything we do waste and everything we do isn't waste. And you can't call recycled copper waste when it trades on the, the COMEX, right? Exactly. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Or the London Metal Exchange. Or, yeah, the LME for Okay, so, so here, here's the problem. How do we change this narrative? How do we get out from behind this? I think we have to you're share. You're an editor, you're, you're publishing stuff. How does this get changed? How do we change this? We have to share with people the fact that there's a lot of recycling done that is, that is not 
that post-consumer side. And so you have to begin to understand that it, it's not waste. I, I shared a story with you earlier. If you waste think, isn't traded on the uh, exactly on any, on any exchange, on any exchange, right. anywhere. It's buried, right? It's garbage, burned. It's something, but you don't do that with with recyclables. Um, I shared the story with you earlier. If we think about, you know, you're in California, the settlers who moved across the country, settling the United States, right? Right. If their horses threw a shoe. It didn't become waste. They didn't just discard it and leave it behind or bury it. They recovered that horseshoe and they kept it when they could trade it in with a blacksmith or with a trader to get credit for new horseshoes. You know, right? It had value. We knew this from the beginning. I mentioned to you earlier there are biblical passages <laughs> that talk about pounding swords into plowshares, right? Mankind, that's an original form of recycling, right? Mankind there. understood there were certain materials that had value and you wanted to preserve them. So again, that's what industrial recycling is about. It, the materials handled in our industry, we know have value, obviously, because that's how we make money. We're a for-profit recycling industry and we make money trading, trading our, our materials. And, you know, when, when people think of recycling, it, it would go back to the, to the recycle bin, the blue bin, whatever bin there is in the, across this country of ours. The last thing they ever think about is that their car is made mostly from recycled materials. Yep. Your aluminum wheels, where's that coming from? That's recycled aluminum. The copper, 30% of the copper, and there's 180 pounds of copper, I think it is, in every automobile, right? 30% of that's recycled, recycled copper. And the steel, well, that's predominantly recycled. Or if they got aluminum transmission casing, Absolutely. where's that coming from? It's coming from the foundries that the Toyotas of the world have and other car manufacturers have. But nobody ever thinks about all that. recycled content. And John, the same is true. If you think about your washing machine, your clothes dryer, your dishwasher, refrigerator, well, you go through the whole litany of things that you use every day that are all recycled content. So what did our industry do to, to lose this narrative, to lose the ability for these policymakers, regulators, and so forth to truly understand what, what happened? Well, I think, you know, again, I think a contributor that I mentioned earlier was the advent of post-consumer recycling. It's a good thing, but it associated recycling with waste management, right? And so I think that the scrap metal, the scrap recycling, the industrial recycling industry failed then to start to get their message out and share what they do for the environment, what they do for materials preservation in the world. Well, and, and they the, the needed natural to be resources out being saved. I mean, the, the, right. <sighs> Look how much more 30% of copper is recycled. How much more mining would need Not to be 30 done? Not 30% of all copper, most 30% of all copper content is made from recycled copper. It was made from recycled, right. So the point is, if that didn't exist, how much more mining would have to happen? If we didn't have steel produced in electric arc furnaces as recycled content steel, how much more iron ore would need to well, be mined? How it's much tremendous. would be unavailable to us? Absolutely. You know, and I, and I like to say this, CO2 emissions have no border. And in this country, no. the, 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 the environmental stewardship from all form of consumers is quite frankly incredible compared to around the world. You've been all over the world. I'll let you take this shot. Okay, you've been all over the world. You know, yep. we see each other at BIR events and you travel. You've been in countless 
steel mills, foundries. Is the rest of the world outside of Europe, because Europe's very progressive in there, but you've been in a lot of different places. Is the environmental stewardship the same as you find in Europe or the United States? No, it's, it's, it's not. Is it even discussed? In many places, no, not at all. But so, what's interesting to me is, as much as that is true, the scrap metal business in almost all those places is alive and well, preserving resources. People just aren't talking about it. Right. So, so let's, let's talk about this further. In America, we have such environmental stewardship because a lot of regulation, which is beneficial to our but CO2 emissions from Asian countries that, that come here, those get in the atmosphere and they'll come over here. So if we lose our industry, if we lose the industrial, the, the, the ability to process recyclables and consume them here in the United States, somewhere else in the world is going to pick up the slack and they're going to pollute more. I don't know. Is that a fair statement or do you not? There's no that? question that that's true because listen, at the end of the day, consumers demand the resources, right? They want all the appliances I talked about earlier. They want automobiles. They want windows <laughs> with aluminum frames. Well, all of those materials have to be made somewhere. Why should we be forcing that to be made in other parts of the world instead of... Well, I, I, I think that's sticking the head in the sand. That's like, oh, well, see what we're doing in this country. Well, CO2 emissions have no borders. Have no borders. And, <laughs> well, see... I, I think think uh, about people who watch the weather and they, they see the weather forecast, they see the jet stream moving across, right? And they say, well, it's going to bring you these storms or it's going to bring you... Guess what? That global movement of air moves all emissions. So I think that, that, that embracing what we're already doing is, to me, the future. We should be embracing as a country all the things we're doing as consuming. I was at a paper mill a couple weeks ago. They recycle their water, filter their water, four million gallons a day, and it's cleaner that goes into the Spokane the River than it came out. Yep. That but, is, you know, and, and the smokestack—I call it a smokestack—but the stack at a paper mill is nothing but steam. Correct. But to the naked eye, to the to the uninformed consumer, John Q. Public. Oh, look at the pollutants coming out of there. Right. And in fact, if you're worried about carbon emissions and CO2 and all of these things, we should want more industry here because we are regulated. Because the water that is discharged from that paper mill is cleaner than the water that was taken in. Can you give me an example? Don't have to name but a country where you saw something that you just cringed in a consuming facility. You've been all over the world, Jimmy. You've seen all this. So, you, you know, you know what's happening. You got a story? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, I, you see things in, in third world countries, in consuming facilities where, um, you know, safety is totally disregarded. Um, I've been in plants where um, none of the workers had shoes. See that? You're an industrial plant. And a consumer and with the, molten metals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and I've been in other places where, you know, literally you see wire that has to be run to keep the machinery working, but they just sledgehammered through the cement 
and bent up the rebar that was inside the, the reinforcing metal inside there. If anybody were to fall, they they harpoon themselves. They'd be harpooned. <laughs> I mean, it's and that's their working condition. They're going by it every day as if it's just nothing. I think and it's you called, compare that's that, like sweeping it under the rug. Well, I'll let somebody else do it. Right. You compare that to a paper mill, a steel mill, or copper smelter, or aluminum refining in Europe, in North America. You're not going to find that kind of thing at all, ever, right? And great pains taken to clean any of the emissions that they do create, right? So you mentioned the stack. They're scrubbing it. They're making sure they pull out the pollutants. So it truly is steam, vaporized water going up. It's not, um, you don't have that in other countries because the regulation just doesn't exist to create an environment where manufacturers would do that. You know, that's, I can't imagine. I have not been, I've been all over the world doing other things. It's your shot, by the way, buddy. Um, I know you've seen some things and you know, we've all seen things, but when you come to this country and you see the great pains that our industry is doing for stormwater, to see what our industry is doing for bag house emissions control, but it just keeps piling on. It keeps, they, they just, it's like, it's never good enough. It's just never enough to where, you know, it, it sounds political, but it's not, but you can't, okay, EPA and PCBs, it's 50 parts per million that is acceptable levels in water, okay? They're wanting to change it to one part per quadrillion. Our blood in our bodies, if you were to take it out, spin it, and find, is greater than that. You, you, that's a, it's an unrealistic, unrealizable goal to be able to get certain emissions and, and stuff down to such levels. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as a society, we need to strive to create as little pollution as we can, right? Um, but we have to learn how to balance that with the life that we also want. I was with a good friend of mine yesterday um, touring some of his facilities, and he runs a large uh, recycling facility here in the DC metro. And, um, and he's facing pressure from citizen groups who don't want the plant there because they just- What are they recycling? It's a materials recovery facility. Okay. So they're processing the recyclables that these consumers put out to be recycled, right? right. That's what he's processing. And, and he's under pressure to, you know, through threat of eminent domain to take his property away. Well, where's that material, that material gonna go? <laughs> Just that's what I was gonna I mean, say. I where's mean, it gonna the, go? Where do you as a consumer, if you are gonna consume these things and you're gonna discharge it at the end of your usage, where do you expect it to go? And how do you expect it to go there? I mean, the industry needs facilities and the facilities have to be near population bases in order to mitigate transportation. Because if you say, well, move everything out of the city. Well, so now I'm supposed to run trucks well, 70 how, well, miles. Do you think 50? consumer, yeah, the, the household people, they're just gonna throw it in the garbage. And then back, you know, okay, so. See, this is the craziness and I think it's a lack of understanding of when we recycle, what is recycling? It's not waste processing. 
No. This isn't stuff going to the landfill. This is all the stuff that is going to go to a consumer. I'm, it's not diversion. Because diversion is what was automatically going to. Look, I'm going to tell you. At GM, Ford, our big automakers, all this, the, the recycled iron that is the residuals from their manufacturing plants was never destined for a landfill. Never. It was destined to go back to some... Look, Deere has their own foundries to, to use recycled iron to make farm tractor. Farm equipment. Okay, let's eliminate that. How are we going to harvest our food if we don't have this, the, the foundries right. to build the equipment and think to about, harvest our food? Most people don't realize this. You and I are involved uh, in the trade association, you know, ISRI. And ISRI has... Specification Institute of created. Scrap Recycling Industries. Insti- <laughs> Institute of Scrap Recycling. People don't know our, our. But they have the scrap material specifications. So what a scrap dealer recycler is doing is they're actually manufacturing a specification raw material to be used in manufacturing, right? A John Deere foundry can't just take anything and melt it and make the right metal that they need for the job, right? It has to be highly and you know i'll say engineered specification the chemistry's got to be right or it doesn't work and the same thing is true of paper guess what you and i both use white writing paper that's different than the cardboard box that comes from amazon guess what the paper mills have a specification for the recovered material that comes in um, you as a recycler, and you're, you can't just ship whatever paper to whatever no, paper you, mill. Doesn't work that no, way. No, you, you, it's, it's very tight specifications. And the cost of doing that. It's not. Yes. You know. Okay. You harvest wheat, and it goes to a processor. And then it's that processor sends the flour to Wonder to make bread. I'm yep. just using this as a. We're like. The materials that we purchase, mind you, they have a value. So we're purchasing these metals, That's right. this paper. It's coming into our facilities. Okay, That's the crop. It. We process it. You know, The harvest is processed. And then we send it to the consumers who make the new steel for our automobiles, for our rebar, for our roads. Now, try building a hospital without, without recycled. No, without with anything. 30% yeah. of all the copper. The stainless steel operating room. Now they're working on copper because of the antimicrobial properties. Of more, so more copper is going to be introduced. The bed frames, all the steel wheelchairs, the beams, all of it in the medical industry without the recycling industry. Can't you? You cannot do it. There's not enough. It it would have to bring. You would have to make most of this project from virgin product. Right. Most and people- there's not enough. Consumers of that to do that. There's, There's not enough awareness of, of your shop, but you know what I what I shared earlier that you know you've got to um, let people know that industrial recycling creates the raw material streams for so many basic industries, and that's where the industry has to get better at sharing with the public at large. This is what we do. Okay, so let's talk about that. You as a publisher, you as somebody who's, who puts out the written content that informs on all the different things you see. But you're just one voice. You're just one, you know, company. I mean, you, you do it digitally. I mean, recycling today is much more than a magazine. I mean, you, you put on, your group puts on uh, conventions for paper and plastic. You put on 
you're doing a show uh, coming up here in September for recycling equipment. You do a lot of things, okay? But what does the industry, tell me, okay, you have the form now, you have the voice. What, does, what do we need to do as recyclers in this country to change this narrative? Well, I think, what do we need to do? I think recyclers owe it to themselves to get involved with their communities, in their community groups, and to advocate for what recycling really is. Um, we mentioned Israel earlier. I was on a task force several years ago. We worked on a project for the Jason project to create I had the, J the kids who won it this year on right. our podcast. So we but we created a bunch of curriculum for schools How to much teach is it? about recycling. How many recyclers have gone to their local schools and said, guys, you want to teach STEM? Here is curriculum developed that teaches about recycling, right? So that's a tool that's available to every recycler that they can take into their community and share to help teach about recycling. How many have done that? Not many, so not what? many. So Some have done it really well, but very few. The industry's gotta get engaged in telling this story. Pull invite, their head out of the sand, man. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing, yes, invite legislators and regulators into your facilities, tour them through, share with them what you do that in your, in your plants, um, but go a step further. Get involved in the community in outreach ways that help to educate about what you're doing. So one of the things is how we communicate. There's the input, how many tons, how many dollars, how many jobs. That's an input. But the true output is what has been missing from our communication with communities that with what we're doing, you get to drive that car. With what we're doing, you get that toaster, you Absolutely. get that refrigerator. With what we're doing, you can turn lights on, you can go to a hospital, you can drive down a road. You know, all the rebar in the road, rebar is 100% recycled iron. We're not very good at this no. right now. Maybe we need to concentrate a little bit more. I'm not very good at this but, today. So, Jamie. But some of those lessons are even pulled out in the Jason curriculum. So people could use that curriculum. How many recyclers are there in America? To develop talking points. How many recyclers are there in America? Would you guess? Yeah, I mean, industrial, commercial recyclers, you know, there's on the order of seven to 10,000. Okay, can you imagine seven to 10,000 voices every day communicating on a daily basis what we do? But why won't Tremendous. they do it? Is it, what is it? Is it but are people think, scared? It's even beyond that. You think about the demolition industry, right? You run a demolition company. You talk about the value. Yeah, well, I call no us urban recyclers. Right. No demolition company would go into a job and tear down a building and throw away all the scrap metal that came out of it. I made one. There we go. <laughs> well, no. And see, Nobody I would do that. But, you know, we need to tell that story of what the industry has to offer. Look, Sierra, we're out there every day. Okay. You know this. We, I have this podcast our social media, I mean, we're, we're putting out tremendous amount of content about the industry. But uh, I, I honestly feel that we're alone. There's a few people doing it, but I just feel like we're almost preaching to thin air, to a wall. Just, it, you, there's nobody there to listen. Or they're listening, but nobody else wants to get involved and do it. And you wish consumers had more of an interest, um, for sure. But 
Why, why do they have a lack of interest? Why, why, you know, why, our so society why? today's instant gratification. We want everything right okay. now. We don't want to know where it came from. Or Consumer industry, how many billions of dollars? If we lumped all steel manufacturing in this country, copper and aluminum and paper, how many billions of dollars annuals of revenue is there? I've never seen a pizza box commercial. I'm the only one putting out a pizza box commercial. That me, you can recycle Sierra, it. That you can recycle it. Yeah, you don't make pizza boxes. I don't make pizza sure. boxes. I don't make... But, is there not a moral responsibility from the Papa John's, the Domino's, the Pizza Hut's to one time get out there and say, hey, everybody, when you finish enjoying our pizza, recycle your box, recycle your box. And for all you people in the municipalities that aren't recycling it or aren't accepting it, accept it because it is a good source of con uh, you know, fiber. Well, not fiber, but paper for our, our paper mills. Why aren't they doing that? Why is it the steel industry, with billions and billions and billions of dollars revenue, talking about how their industry helps build America? The infrastructure that has anything steel made out of it has to come from the U.S. steel industry. And they're not. Have you seen a commercial like that? They don't tell the story. Why? Why is there no story being told? What is? What, in your opinion, and you meet with I, these people? I you wish see I knew. these people. I wish I knew. Everyone's focused on their own industry instead of the societal obligation that they might have. And um, is it is it? And there there is a difference in this in this regard with Europe. When you look at Western Europe, not only citizens but corporations feel more of an obligation to be responsible for the end of life. What happens to this end of life thing that I'm using? Again, whether it's an appliance or whether it's a... Is that because a, Europe, quite frankly, has no bottle. space to put it? People is it say because, that, but that's not true. Okay, fair You've enough. Then, okay, that's a perception. Europe has lots of land, last I checked. They just don't allow everything to be discarded at the end of life. Yet America has vast amount of land and people think just bury it over Right, there. and I say they don't allow. I mean... I don't mean that only from a regulatory perspective. I mean it from a mentality perspective. Companies and individuals think differently. Okay, so let's talk about people and cultures. In the world of pollution, you know, the, the garbage patch, you know, so much plastics. And I did a post uh, yesterday on Instagram and I had almost 5,000 views, two, over 200 likes and a lot of comments. When I had a plastic bottle that I finished drinking, I said, I have a choice. I could throw it in the bay here, outside the hotel, or I could put it in the recycle bin. You know, I put it in the recycle bin, obviously, right? But so many people, so. no, I did. But so many people just throw it away. So yep. people are half, more than the problem. They're the problem. Plastics just doesn't get up, walk into the ocean and go, I'm here in the ocean. Somebody has to put it there. That's right. Wind, and I think in America, in Europe I've seen, you know, you go places and you see the recyclement, like at the airport at Heathrow, it was fascinating. They had all these beautiful, you know, this is for your paper, this is for your plastic, this is for your aluminum, and they were in clear bags, and you clearly could see what goes in it. And there wasn't, like America, when you pull over the bin, it's got diapers in it, it's got everything in it. There seems to be a cultural awareness in Europe that understands each citizen needs to do their part. I don't think we have that same cultural awareness in America. And in fact, I, I find it almost embarrassing.
Yeah, I mean, listen, I think some of that uh, stems from, tragically, you know, at the end of World War II, when the continent of Europe was largely obliterated, they didn't have any resources. So resources, everyone became really aware of protecting what they had. Um, Americans are used to having whatever we want right now, any way we want it. But during the pandemic, you couldn't get toilet paper. And guess what? Where most people don't understand this about paper. Toilet paper, hand towels, paper towels, so much of that percentage-wise made from recycled paper. Recycled content. Paper. Yep. And because businesses were closed, there was no office paper, there were restaurants were closed, all that cardboard and paper for the rest. There became a lack of supply of raw material to the paper mills during the pandemic. And people wonder, why, well, why was there no toilet paper? Because there was no recycled paper. Well, there was, but not at the level needed to generate that supply for the paper mills to catch up yep. and have an, I mean, they were running on low inventories. Yep, and Def so definitely they, had an impact. So, yeah, well, I, I, you know, Jamie, I, how do we pull this through though? The industry has to, the consuming industries and the recycling industry have to do a better job of telling the story. Why, why is there such a battle between the consumer <laughs> and the recycler? I've never understood that. You can't have one without the other, exactly. yet there's such animosity at times. Yeah. <laughs> there is. It can be an adversarial relationship. It is an it adversarial relationship because is it, I, I don't know why, because one does not exist without the other. And you see companies vertically integrating now that they're buying uh, or pro having their own processing facilities, be it a paper mill has paper recycling facilities. Steel mills have their own metal recycling facilities and so on and so forth. They're controlling their supply chain, but yet they're never gonna control it all. But there's such an adverse relationship. How do we repair that? How do we change uh, that? I, I don't have an answer for that, John. That's a... Oh, now that was a good shot. Look at that. That, that was just, that was luck. We gotta finish this game up here. I'm gonna have to beat you here in a second. I have no idea how this ball is gonna get anywhere close to anything. So, let's talk about your magazine waste today and the difference between waste and recycling, completely different topics. What are you, what, your growth in your magazine, what is it that people are liking? What is it that waste today is, is what, what, what's it connecting with? Well, I, listen, waste today, um, a lot of what we cover has to do with um, collection mm -hmm. of waste. If you look at any waste management system operating anywhere really in North America, two thirds of the cost is in collecting the waste, right? And with so, fuel costs, that cost is rising. And a lack of drivers, and you can't get new trucks. <laughs> and, um, and so that's a lot of, you know, All right. big but, part but, of what we cover. So many people say, why isn't recycling free? Because it's not free. What in life? I mean, listen. <laughs> people even say, "Well, the parks are free." Well, no, they're not. You're, you're, you pay taxes, and taxes help to maintain the park systems. That, right. You know, everything has a cost. You know, if you're going to collect something and you're going to process it, as I said earlier, all recycling, recycling. I'm sorry, is the manufacturing of specification raw material. 
no one could do that for free. And the cost of the material um, in and of itself, when you look at the act of having to recover it, reprocess it, ship it to a consumer, even the value of the material in some instances won't cover that full cost. So somebody's got to pay for somebody's it. Somebody's got to pay for it. And you can't like be the, the for-profit recycling like everything industry can't in life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Listen, by definition, a for-profit recycling industry has to make a profit. Otherwise, all the jobs that they create go away. All the taxes but they pay go away. nobody cares about the jobs. All the investment in infrastructure go away. Regulators I think you're, I think the employee, don't care. The, I think the, the employees, employees care about, about the jobs. But the narrative is always is, care about the jobs. Yeah. Well, that's the input. Nobody cares about the input. I think that in and itself, we, we used to, that used to be the story we used to tell all the time. Okay. That was the only story as recyclers. We always focused on look how many jobs we're doing, look how much material we're saving the, for natural resources, etc. Yet nobody cares. It's all about, I think now it's, oh, wait. If I don't have recycled materials, I don't have my car, my hospitals, my roads, my bridges, my airport. Look, there's an airport right out this window. Copper in the fuselages of all those aluminum aircraft. The concrete, the rebar and the concrete at that run. The electrical cable to run all the lighting, the tower. Can you imagine? Listen, the alternative is more mining. That's the I don't alternative. I think there's enough mineable materials in the it, world. to. to so we would be... But you'd we wouldn't have be to able go, to fly ever. Right. You'd have to go find all this material. You'd have to strip it out of the earth. Come on. That doesn't make any sense. Oh. You'd, of course you'd want to. Again, I go back. The earliest roots of mankind understood there were certain materials that were finite. We should preserve them. It's basic. I think you it's and basic. I are the choir here, brother. Yeah. And... You know, as you move forward and you try to create content for your magazine, maybe this discussion helps create some, some of the editorial articles that need to be stated and be, maybe need to be written to, for somebody who reads it who isn't in our industry to understand what really the industry is doing. And then for those in our industry, they have to understand what they need to start, tell, what story they need to start telling and what they need to start doing themselves to communicate what yes. it is we're doing it's critical they really have to get the word out well jimmy we're going to finish up this game but we're going to finish up here on this podcast i i really appreciate you having this discussion it's your been, experience in this good. industry is undeniable you've been there you've seen so much and it seems like you and i are the choir here because we could finish each other's sentences to the problem we face we've got to get more of the industry on board to tell their own story. Well, let's do that. We're, I'm going to try. You're going to try. That's how you sell your magazines. That's how we've branded us. And as a recycling advocate, you know, let's face it, 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 it's paramount to the future. No recycling industry. There's no recycling today magazine. Exactly. <laughs> a strong, healthy, vibrant. Wait, there's no Sierra. There's uh, no recycling yeah. today. It's not good. But a vibrant industry, we exist. And we're going to be back here to have another game of pool. And sometime we'll talk about it again. That's right. Thank you for Thanks, being John. on. And that's it for another episode of Pile of Scrap. I don't know. You're up.
Jones. <laughs>